Before we begin today's show, I just wanted to give a shout out to our great friend, Zach Lowe, who's doing some incredible work over at the Low Post Podcast. In his most recent podcast, Zach and Kevin Arnovitz give some of their takeaways on the early season. You want to check him out at the Low Post, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts or where you're listening to this podcast. And one more thing, on Saturday, there's a massive event as Conor McGregor, the former UFC double champion, returns to the octagon to face Dustin Poirier at UFC 257. The highly anticipated fight is exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for $69.99. Visit ESPNplus.com slash PPV for more details. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Wednesday afternoon uh, this time. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, is the one, the only, Timothy Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. And joining us from Los Angeles, California, our Clippers and all, you know, he covers like seven teams for us, uh, is Om Young Masuk. Hello, Om. What's up, guys? What's up? What we want to start today is uh, a team that you spend most of your time with, although you roam around. Um in most years, not this year, now you roam around Zoom, but uh, don't we all, um, is the LA Clippers, your primary beat. Um, you've been going to the Clipper games, right? Haven't you all? Yeah, yeah, I've been to every one so far. Uh, empty Staples Center is a really weird thing. It's a weird sight. Got a game tonight against the uh, Sacramento Kings. I do. Uh, who are on pace to have the worst defense in NBA history. <laughs> um, things are going well there. Um, but... Um, the, the, the Clippers are uh, sneakily um, in second place in the West, uh, 10 and four. Uh, you know, the Lakers are starting out uh, tomorrow on a seven game road trip. Um, <laughs> I can't believe we're doing seven game road trips in the current environment, but we are. And so I wish the Lakers health on that trip. Clip, Clippers uh, got a seven game road trip coming up in about three games. You know, the reason the teams would go on seven game road trips was because their arenas were needed for, you know, big, long stretches yeah. of stuff, right? Yeah. Like the Lakers and Clippers always used to go out in February because of the, the Grammys. Grammys. Yep. Um, you always would see wherever the ice capades, the Disney or Disney on ice would move and take over an arena for 10 days. You'd see that team go away. It used to be the circus. Remember the Chicago Bulls? Yeah. Every November they had the circus trip. What's the San Antonio um, one? The rodeo. Yeah, the, the rodeo. rodeo. That's it. You know, the, the Spurs actually asked for the rodeo trip to stay in place because it's always been a bonding experience, but um, now the circus, I mean, now all of it's gone. The circus actually went away a few years ago, but um, I don't see, I don't see the need to go on a seven game trip. The circus just left Houston last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's always a traveling circus in the NBA. Um, but anyway, <laughs> seven games to the Lakers. Um, and as like I said, the Clippers have to go on their own seven game trip. Um uh, a team we're going to talk about in a little bit. The Nuggets are about to leave on a long road trip. These long, these long road trips are happening. Um, this is the time of year where we would really see them ramp up after the holidays. You'd see all these teams rotating through the West and rotating through the East. Um, the Lakers begin their seven game trip with a uh, big game Thursday night in Milwaukee, which um, uh, obviously should be interesting to watch. But um, you know, the Clippers have grabbed come up to the Lakers heels 
um, uh, Ohm. And we talked in the last podcast, we talked about Paul George's hot shooting and Laker and the uh, Clippers, uh, you know, kind of surprisingly poor defense early on, but you know, they're getting it done. They're winning. And um, one of the things that's, that's happening that's driving them is just tremendous shooting. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, maybe, you know, somebody has to be the best shooting team in the league. Might as well be the Clippers. Um, they are shooting the ball amazingly. They're number one in the NBA in three-point shooting at 44%. They're third over in overall field goal percentage. And they're number one in, in free throw percentage. So if you foul them, they're hitting their shots. So that means if you're, if you're number one in three-point percentage and field goal percentage and three overall, that means you're scoring at a very, very efficient rate. Um, their, their dudes are just drilling their threes. Uh, Paul George, 51%. This is all going into tonight's game. When you guys hear this podcast, they'll already have played the Kings and probably, you know, just, just to mess with the mojo, they'll probably shoot like 20% on threes. But... <laughs> mm, I'm going to guess they'll pad those numbers, but go on. <laughs> You're right. They certainly uh, did the last time they faced the Kings. Yeah. Uh, so Paul George is shooting 51% on threes. Kawhi is shooting 43% on threes. Um, let's see. Uh, Batum who uh, I want you to talk about in a minute, Um, 43% on threes. Patrick Beverly, not a sniper, 44% on threes. Luke Kennard, the $56 million man, Hmm. 52% on threes. Lou Williams is the only guy who's shooting a reasonable number, uh, and he's a 39%, which if he shot 39% on threes, they would be doing backflips. Marcus Morris hasn't played that much, but he's shooting 50% on threes and five per game. It's not like he's only shot two. Um, Serge Ibaka, 40, uh, 34%, which again is pretty good. Um, like when I look at the Clippers success, I'm, I'm looking at that column Ohm, but, um, as you watch them now, uh, what are they? 15, 14, 15 games in, 14, you know, yeah. what's, um, you know, what are you taking away from this team that is, uh, you know, again, putting together a pretty good record. So they've won the last two by 33 or more points. And when I say this, I, I, they have not played a complete game yet. Um, and when I say that, it's either offensively, they go through a drought starting in the third quarter where they just kind of get stagnant or their defense has not been good for stretches. Um, and I actually think their defense hasn't, they, we have not seen their best defensive game yet. They play great defense uh, for a stretch at times, but they haven't really put it together for an entire game. And I think, you know, when you look at the Clippers, they're still building. And that's probably maybe the scary thing for other teams. Um, you know, offensively, early on, a lot of the analytics people were saying that the Clippers were at the bottom as far as pace. I don't know what their latest is as far as the pace stats go, but it didn't matter because wh- what they were doing is every offensive possession they had, they made it count. So it didn't matter how slow they were going or how many possessions they had. Uh, their passing has been really, really good. When they're playing at their best, they're getting a lot of the, you know, hockey type of assists, basically one, two, three, four passes, and they're finding the open guy, and that open guy is drilling their shots. And so I think that's one thing, and you saw it a lot with uh, Ty Lu. The difference, I think, between Doc and Ty Lu so far has been their passing offensively. They are having uh, – Ty has been stressing that if one thing is taken away – we have multiple options to go to as backups. And that was one thing that when everything fell apart in the bubble against Denver, that epic meltdown, afterwards Kawhi Leonard said, our basketball IQ has to be better. We have to know what we need to do when things fall apart and things are taken away from us 
especially in a seven-game series. I think you're starting to see that now, and these guys are starting to really trust in each other, and they certainly um, trust Ty Lue. Um, they've been very, very full of praise for him. Paul George, obviously, is, ha- is on his vengeance tour, as he said. He's coming back with a vengeance, um, and you certainly see that. He has been focused, even on the games where he had a bad shooting night against Utah at Utah. He still stayed engaged by getting like five steals in that game defensively. And I think last season when you would see Paul George shoot poorly, he would kind of fade out of the mix of the game. They're still blowing big leads, Brian. And by the way, they're 27th in pace coming in. Yeah. Yeah. They still blow big leads. If they have a 22 point lead in the third quarter, teams are still going to come back on them, but now they're showing the ability outside of maybe that game against golden state to withstand those leads, to withstand those charges at them. And that's that's a big deal. PTSD situation. Yes, 100%. I mean, <laughs> I mean, early on this season, it happened. It happened the first game against the Lakers. They withstood that. Christmas night again, it happened again with Denver of all, of all teams. Um, and so really outside of one really awful game against Dallas, which they lost by 51 points without Kawhi Leonard, um, this team has lost guys. They haven't had a lot of guys in the lineup. Uh, Patrick Beverly, Marcus Morris, Kawhi Leonard, Lou Williams, all these guys have been out of lineup. Serge Ibaka. And they've been able to kind of maintain that. Um, this team still is, has its flaws, for sure. Uh, bench uh, at times doesn't look great. Uh, they do tend to get stagnant at times at start of third quarters, and they don't have that energy when other teams are making the charge at them. But for the most part right now, they're still building, and they're winning these games. Do you fear the Clippers, McMahon? Not you well, personally. I, I mean, I think, I, I think the Clippers are certainly the biggest threat to the Lakers. Uh, in the Western Conference, but there's no way in hell I'd pick the Clippers to beat the Lakers in a series. And look, the Paul George Vengeance Tour, that's cool. Wow, man, that's awesome. You can't have a Vengeance Tour in January when you absolutely sucked in the playoffs last year. Your Vengeance Tour has to be in the playoffs. So, look, Paul George is playing great. He's shooting by far the best percentage of his career from the floor, from three-point range. I mean, he's healthy. You know, he didn't have have an offseason recovering from – uh, shoulder surgeries and all that kind of stuff. But I will believe the Paul George vengeance tour is a real thing when I see it in the Western conference finals. Um, if they get to the Western conference finals. Yeah. So the big thing to me is they were not able to really address their point guard concern. I mean, one of the things that happened in the bubble is when they needed it, which wasn't in the first half of games when they needed it, when they were under assault, they didn't have a guy to get them into their offense. It too much relied on Kawhi to do it, and it limited his effectiveness. And, you know, Kawhi, he didn't come out and say we needed a point guard, but he kind of implied it. Yeah. And, you know, they kicked the tires on a bunch of things, didn't get a point guard. What they did was they signed Nick Batum, who has been a, you know, ball-handling uh, big throughout his career. And he has come in and provided some level of ball. I mean, he's been a starter from day one. Um, he's averaging 10 points, uh, five rebounds, three assists, 1.2 steals per game, uh, shooting 48% overall. Like I mentioned earlier, 43% on threes, 87% from the line. Um, you know, uh, Ohm, this is um, – been a real nice pickup for them a guy that they got for the minimum the um <laughs> the uh the hornets are playing his salary uh well it's what's just a one-year salary but they're paying it over the next three years um 
Batum has been working for them. Is this something that um, is sustainable? I don't know. I mean, he's, you know, he's been a good player. He's just been underperforming his contract the last few years. I mean, probably not. He's up there in mileage and years. Um, but I think the good thing for him is that he had, he didn't play a lot of basketball last season. And I think that's why so many people are surprised at what he's been able to give. The Clippers certainly were able to convince him to come because, you know, they told him you can, you have a chance to start here and we want you to do all the things that you've done in your career. And he's played so well that Marcus Morris, who eases way back into the season with the knee injury is now coming off the bench and not starting. And Batum is, you know, he gives him another ball handler to bring up the court. But I think where he's been more effective has been the, that he's either catching and shooting balls and he's catching, the, catching and then delivering another pass and moving the ball. And I think that's where he's been dangerous and effective for them. He's hit some pretty clutch shots. And then, of course, his defense, he gives them another guy that, you know, you can switch and the ability to guard multiple positions on the floor. And what Ty Lue has done is basically – if he has a Luke Kennard, a guy who might not be as good defensively, he'll keep four other defensive guys on the floor with that guy. Or when Lou Williams comes in, same thing. He wants to keep four defensive guys on the floor with that guy. Initially, he tried for the first 10 games playing Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, and Lou Williams, and he wanted to see how that went, and the sample size was horrible. So he decided to basically put Reggie Jackson out of the rotation until injuries forced him back in. I'm not a huge Reggie Jackson fan. I mean, I, I, you know, they were very limited in in what they could do because of where they were, you know, they used their um, full mid level on Serge Ibaka. So that triggered the hard cap. They just didn't have, they didn't have money to spend on guys. So they had to just sign minimums. Um, Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Clippers bigs have not really, you know, Ibaka started off the season pretty strong and then he's tailed off a little bit and Zubats has been a little, um, it's been a little confusing with him because he, we thought that, you know, after how he played in the bubble, he was going to have a, a good season and then he's gotten off to a slow start. But Batum has been terrific for them. I mean, he's hit clutch shots. He's passing the ball. He break, he gives him another ball handler. He just takes a little bit more of a load off of Kawhi and Paul. And it remains to be seen how, how much he can keep really keep this up. McMahon, it's funny how much Batum is resembling um, Boris Diaw. Uh, he's even sort of filling out like Boris Diaw did in the latter stages of his career, but they kind of play the same role. Not, and, not quite as much as Boris, no, but yeah. <laughs> no, but if you, you know, you go look at Batum from four or five years ago, you look at him now, he's, you know, I'm not saying well, he's on the Boris Diaw summer plan, but. Uh, uh, as our buddy, uh, as our buddy Pelton pointed out, there's, there's obviously some value in a French dude who completely bottomed out with Charlotte. <laughs> um, you know, when you can go get those guys on a minimum, go get them. I mean, Batum, hell, he's got fresh legs. He played 22 games last year and waved a towel for the rest of them. I mean, he was completely out of the right. Hornets rotation. But yeah, look, the Hornets like announced to their to their like um, him and Mar- Marvin Williams, and they were just like, "Hey, yeah. we're not going to play you guys. We're going to play the young kids." Yeah, they went young. And look, Batum is not a guy who is going to make a bad team decent, right? He, but he he's a guy who can fit in on a really good team and kind of be a, a connector. He's going to make the right pass. I mean, look, he's not going to shoot 43% from three. Most likely I mean, he's 36% for his career, but he's a good enough three point shooter. He's a smart player. He's going to move the ball. You know, he, he's not the defender he used to be, but he can still guard uh, multiple positions. He's at least going to be in the right places. And so, yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, thank you, Charlotte for paying his salary, not that Ballmer needed any kind of discount, but for the Clippers to be able to pick him up on the minimum was huge. 
I'll never forget about Boris Diaw um, when he would come into the game. Um, you know, most players are concerned about uh, gripping the ball, and so for for years now, uh, some players have used the powder. Um, remember Dwight Howard got busted for using yeah. the, st- the stickum, um, which uh, we I remember we were on the jump and I got the same spray and I sprayed it on my hands and I was able to palm the ball like super easily like stick them <laughs> no matter. no wonder Dwight never passed out of the post <laughs> <laughs> Boris Diaw when he would come into the game and I remember back when we used to sit courtside he would put moisturizer on his hands lotion huh they had this little <laughs> this little pump uh, jar of lotion and he'd put lotion on his hands when he come in the game and I was like doesn't that th- I mean that's got wouldn't that make it more slippery? That's what I said. Like this is what people are, are trying to avoid. They're trying to they're, they're they're you know they're pouring powder on their hands to get rid of that that greasy feel. They're using sprays, illegal sprays. Um, just listen, Boris going to Boris. But um, so the one thing that is going to be interesting to see is if the Clippers can do anything during the year to improve their roster. Obviously, there's. If there's buyout guys, the Clippers will be um, a candidate. But as I mentioned about the hard cap, um, they're not that far below it. And so they can't even sign a player, according to Bobby Marks, who just doesn't get things wrong. Um, they can't even really sign a player um, till March 30th. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in the tax. That doesn't really matter to them. But um they're limited now as far as like making trades, which means if they make a trade, they can't like trade, you know, 1.2 million, like one of their, you know, they've got a couple of guys earning low salaries. They can't like trade that guy for a guy making two and a half million. Yeah. You know, so like they, they like, for example, they have Terrence Mann on their roster. Who's got, who makes 1.5 million. They couldn't even trade him for a veteran who makes 2.5 million. That's the minimum for a veteran. Like, they can't do a trade that's even like that that's even minorly lopsided like that in terms of salary. So they're very limited in what they can do. Now, the one guy who I think is a possible trade asset is Lou Williams. Um, he makes eight million dollars. He's you know, he's a but he's valuable to the Clippers, though. And again, he only makes eight million. You know, you're not gonna trade him for a star. And so you know, and Lou has been a core member of this team for a long time. And, uh, you know, there's still a lot of games where he makes a big impact. Um, you know, Ohm, I don't know really what they can do. I mean, I, this this might be their team. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. But, um, you know, a lot of these contenders do well to, to upgrade during the year. That's going to be a challenge for them. Yeah, no, the buyout market is, is something that you mentioned that is probably their only path to really improving the team. If they try to trade Patrick Beverly, Zubats, and Lou Williams, I just don't think they're going to get a lot. Lou Williams, that contract is valuable to other people in addition to what Lou does and brings. They just won't get anything back of equal value at $8 million to what Lou brings. Um, So I I think that's the problem for them. And and maybe, I don't know, in this pandemic times where owners are not making any money, um, maybe guys are more willing to buy out guys so they can try to get out of contracts. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you could like combine Zubach and Lou into into a number. Uh, Beverly's salary is kind of up there. He makes 13 and and a half and has this year and next left on it uh, guaranteed. Um, You know, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. I just think that, you know, especially because they don't, you know, they don't have that, that point guard. This may be 
Um, I mean, their they're leading assist guy, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, both average five assists a game. Basically, Kawhi, Paul, uh, Batum are their main, like, trigger guys. I mean, you know, Lou and when, when nights when Lou decides to pass doesn't happen every night. Yeah. Lou and Beverly, <laughs> well, no, no, they actually tried him as they, they he was tr- doing too much facilitating in the first 10 games. And Ty Lou actually had to sit him down and say, listen, we need you to go back to just being old Lou. Don't worry about playing point guard and facilitating just shoot. And that's when he actually had his first big game. And then he hurt his hip. Yeah. Oh, it just, that's never who he's been. <laughs> it's never who he's <laughs> been. So um, it'll be, you know, this is a team to watch because uh, not only are they a championship contender, but um, their variance is so wide. Like yeah. there's going to be times where you look at them and go, oh my God, who's beaten them four out of seven this time. And there are other times where you're like, this team has got to start over. I mean, you know, you, I, you can, you can feel that way in the same half sometimes. You know what it is, Wendy? and you hit on it, it's the PTSD, not only that the Clippers have from losing the way they did in Denver, but everybody who watched the Clippers have PTSD from that because you can't get that out of your head. And so it's like, like I've said this many times before, it's like Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? As McMahon has said, until they do it in the playoffs, until Paul George brings that vengeance, come back in the playoffs, until they, they show up. We're just, it's like, we're not going to believe it. It's like the boy who cried wolf. They talked too much trash last year and didn't back it up. And now you actually have to see them back it up in the playoffs. And until they do that, it's like, we don't really know what to make of them. I mean, right now, these shots and like the assists you're talking about how much they average. It's also the quality of their assists that they're delivering right now. I mean, I actually asked um, the stats information guys, like how, how many um, shot, how many people are scoring off assists from Kawhi and Paul George, what are those numbers like? And I think this was entering maybe the last game that Kawhi has assisted on 45 threes this season. He was tied for third most in the NBA. Paul George assisted on 34, 14th in the NBA. But what was notable about that was the efficiency of what the Clippers are shooting off passes from those two guys. They're shooting 55% from three off of passes from Kawhi and Paul George. So they're making their shots and the quality of their shots they're getting, they're almost like wide open. That's why you're seeing Patrick Beverly hitting more threes. But again, I don't know. I don't know if that lasts. And yeah. it's, it's, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable saying they're not going to shoot 44% as a team. They're basically shooting a percentage that would be near the league leaders for an individual as a team. Like that, that's not going to last. I think that they can be a really good offensive team, but they need, like, if the Clippers are going to be legit contenders, they need to be an elite defensive team. And, you know, that's what we have yet to see yeah. uh, from them yet this season. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. 
Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Another team that you track closely, uh, Ohm, in your old hometown area, and uh, a team that's you know been dealing with a lot of problems and is going to be fascinating to watch in the few coming months when they get healthy, which uh, we hope everybody does, is the Washington Wizards. Um, seven players. Seven players got COVID on their roster. Um, and that is just scary, upsetting, concerning, worrisome. They are just today, I think, trying to get back into the gym to have some individual workouts. Uh, they're nowhere even really close to their team, um, you know, because all of those guys have to be out 14 days and then there's contact tracing. Um and from what I understand, it was like, you know, several games in a row, they had games where the pregame rapid test showed nobody with COVID and all negative. So then they play the game. And then the following day, the PCR test, the test they stick up your nose, showed that a player um, from the other team had COVID. Um it happened, I think, several games in a row. Dating where... back to December 30, they played Chicago December 29th and the 31st. Dating back to those games, that those teams, that's where it started, where somebody on the other team ended up, uh, whether contact tracing or actually getting COVID, right. something popped up, and the, and the Wizards played consecutive teams. It was Chicago, Minnesota, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Boston, Miami, and then Phoenix. Crazy. I mean, this is one of the, I mean, that <laughs> the NBA is using the best test. That rapid test is <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you want me to say? I'm not an epidemiologist. What do you say? I mean, um, and you know, and then there was the, you know, Tatum talking to Bradley Beal and they mm-hmm. sidelined Beal because Tatum had tested positive the next day. And so the NBA is trying to, um, to, do same day PCR testing so that they get the nose swab and they can get it back the same day, but it's not available in every city. A lot of teams are doing that testing in the morning and then they're shipping it off to a lab in another city. And, um, and, you know, it takes some time to get the results that way. So the teams are trying to eliminate that rapid test and just do the PCR test. But I don't know if you saw starting tonight, you know, the league passed those new guidelines, no high-fiving, no hugging, no whatever. And that trend that really was already going on in the NBA for the last couple of years, but really um, moved forward in the bubble where teams would at the end of the game, like sort of embrace each other. It was sort of like, you know, Hey, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. That has kept going after game, after game, after game, even that warning uh, guys have gone to center court and, you know, dapped and hugged and everything like that and uh, stay safe, brother, stuff like that. So now <laughs> effect starting tonight, um, they are going to p- put team security guards there to keep the guys from coming together and hug. <laughs> you go to your corner, those guys go to their corner um, because they, you know, they're worried about transmission. I mean, again, what the players would say, and I can't dis- 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 dissuade them from this is how do I fight a guy for a rebound, breathe all over him, sweat all over him, you know, for 48 minutes. And then I can't hug him after the game. You know, you know what, Wendy It's not even just the players though. I watch this every game. It's like, I don't know. Now that we're in this new world, whenever I see people shaking hands, I cringe or dapping or hugging. Right. But I've been noticing that the Clippers players, 
go talk to the other assistants from other teams because they haven't seen them in a while. And they go and say they dap them up and they hug them. They talk for a while. And I'm and I'm just like, don't stop. Like, so (laughs) I don't know. It's like maybe I don't understand why people can't just wave bye to each other anymore. You know what I mean? It's like now more well, than ever. That was the way it used like, to be. That you, yeah, you now, used to have the wave and that was Now it. they just come in. They, it's, it's like they feel uh, more beholden to go up and actually talk to them you know, because uh, of what we're going through. <laughs> yes, I think there's like, because in the bubble, there was a feeling of safety. Yeah. And it was like, hey, we are going through this together. This is a, you know, this is a kinship, you know, hang in there. It was like they were, it was like a support system. Although in general, it had been happening more in the league. Um, but, um, so the wizards, well, look, I, I feel comfortable saying this about the wizards. They did not contract coronavirus playing defense because there's no way they're close <laughs> enough to get it that way. <laughs> I love McMahon. Um, <sighs> so this wizard season has been sort of formulated by three things. One lack of defense Two, Bradley Beal, putting up just spectacular game after spectacular game. He's leading the NBA in scoring right now at 35 points and, you know, games that, you know, these great performances that are not, um, that are not leading to wins. And then the Russell Westbrook uh, situation where Westbrook, quite frankly, has not played well at all. He has taken inefficiency to a new level. (laughs) Yeah. He wanted to play his game and it has not been pretty and he, and he's hurt again. Yeah. Well, that might be the thing. I mean, one of the things, and we talked about it a few weeks ago, McMahon, was how Westbrook just had stopped going to the basket and stopped going to the line. Um, and, you know, he ha- he's had some triple doubles, but... Um, he, his- he is shooting 40% from two-point range. He's firing up a bunch. He's shooting 30 from three and firing up almost five per game. And then he's shooting 40% on his twos. Turning the ball over over five times a game, and he's racking up assists. He's getting rebound, whatever. It's he's you know they they're not, they can't win with him right now, and you know he's out. Uh, we haven't even talked. Thomas Bryant's out for the season. I mean, this team is healthy or not. This team's going nowhere, and at some point, I would say sooner than later, it it needs to be okay. This team's going nowhere. Need to hit reset. What can they get for Bradley Beal? So Westbrook, um, Westbrook is averaging five free throws a game. It's a career low. And he's out with a quad injury. Um, I wonder, you know, he played through the sore quad for a few games before they shut him down, before COVID shut them down. He actually had it starting in camp. Uh, Scott Brooks revealed that he heard it in camp and, Obviously, Westbrook didn't want to tell anyone, and then he re-aggravated it again and again. Uh, so maybe that's and, why. And that's what McMahon, remember that's, that's what that's what sidelined him in the bubble. And he also had a dislocated finger toward the end before he got shut down. He was supposed to be reevaluated this week, but I mean that may be the, that's the only blessing in disguise from this whole COVID shutdown pause for the Wizards is that Russell Westbrook would get healthy. But as McMahon has said. It doesn't matter when it comes to the Wizards' defense. They are so defenseless, and you can see how frustrated Westbrook gets, especially in the fourth quarter when they're in these games, and then all of a sudden they just they can't stop anyone from scoring like 40 points in the fourth quarter. Um, yes. By the way, he's part of that problem, but yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> McMahon, uh, the Rockets got to feel, even though Wall, now Wall's got a knee bothering yeah. him. It's not good. Rockets got to feel okay about that trade. No, yeah, listen, the, yeah, they feel great about that Russ trade. They feel horrific about the trade to get Russ. 
you know, they got a protected first round pick back for them, but I mean, they're, they're now back on the surplus of picks. All it took was completely, uh, Gutting you know, their gutting team. Their, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trading two Hall of Famers. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. That'll help you get your picks. Um, so um, uh, we have a new feature on uh, uh, on the Hoop Collective, and we're gonna we're gonna use it to talk about Bradley Beal here. Um, you know, Beal is uh, going to be one of the most interesting players in the league. One of the most uh, a um, a guy we're gonna keep a, a lo- an eye on for the less for the next six months. And uh, this is brought to you by CarMax. Don't just buy a car. Love your car with the new CarMax Love Your Car Guarantee. We're going to talk about Bradley Beal in this regard. Um, So Bradley Beal has uh, one year left on his contract after this season. Um, And with Harden moved, all eyes are turning there. A little bit sort of a side eye at Ben Simmons after that whole non-trade uh, near trade, what have you, and what's going to happen with that. So, but he's sort of on the back burner, on the front burner now, uh, Bradley Beal. Um, and McMahon, this is a guy who, if you need, you know, the third star, if you're Dallas, if you're Miami, if you're, I think Golden State is a candidate. Um, you're keeping an eye on what the Wizards do. And if the Wizards are, are facing missing the playoffs, you know, Bradley is not wavered in as far as I've heard on on wanting to be there. But if you're the Wizards, you have to evaluate what you're going to do here. Right. And look, Beal is 27 years old, just kind of entering the, the the middle of his prime. This dude's averaging 35 points efficiently. I mean, he is an absolute stud. And, you know, a team you didn't mention that I think should be front of the line is the Denver Nuggets. I don't want to hear about Michael Porter Jr. being untouchable. If you can dangle Michael Porter as the centerpiece of a package to get an in his prime Bradley Beal, you do that in a heartbeat. And then I think the Nuggets are, you know, who they've kind of been scuffling. But give me Bradley Beal to go along with Jokic and uh, and Jamal Murray. And I think the Nuggets are right in the thick of things as far as challengers for the Western Conference. It's hard, though, Ohm, because this is their franchise player. You trade him. You know, uh, you know, what are you left with? It's not just he's not just a franchise player. I mean, for Washington, D.C., which has been through, you know, so many bad seasons, so much bad basketball, the curse of Le Boulet, you know, injuries. And remember, Bradley Beal, not too long ago, we used to talk about him like, could he ever stay healthy? And the guy now we don't even think about those broken legs and all the stuff he had. But Bradley Beal's a star that actually wants to stay in D.C. That's something that. It's so hard to get rid of, even though this guy right now, I mean, his value can't get any higher. He has scored under 31 points only four times this season, which is so ridiculous to say that. I don't know if I would trade him for Michael Porter Jr. I mean, it would obviously take Michael Porter Jr. and a bunch of picks or whatever. I don't even, I'm not sure. Talent. Yeah. I mean, you've got to get, again, Porter's just the headliner of what would be a, a package. I mean, if I'm Denver, obviously, you know, I would certainly try to do it. Tim Connolly, obviously, he's 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 from the D.C. area. Used to work for that Wizards franchise. Uh, Tommy Shepard used to work for the Nuggets franchise. So, I mean, obviously, there's a connection there. But um, if I'm the Wizards, man, I have to be absolutely blown away with the deal. And then to that story that you wrote today, Wendy, uh, about how teams just don't have, you know, draft picks have become like gold. Um, and you can see now what the going rate for a superstar is. 
I mean, like that Paul George trade, you got five first round picks and two pick swaps. Um, this James Harden trade, what was it like? Uh, three first round picks and another four, four pick swaps. Four yeah, four times. plus four. Right. All told. And, and so, like, you know, I mean, I don't know what it would take to get Bradley Beal, but I just don't know how many teams have really have that. I mean, that. Drew Holiday's three picks plus two swaps. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so so right now, because of a couple of things, one, all of these teams that have traded away multiple firsts. So the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nets, and the Bucks have essentially – traded their whole foreseeable future draft control. Uh, they don't, they haven't traded away all their picks, but because of the Stepien rule where you can't trade picks in back-to-back years, it locks them out from trading away those, those picks in those years. And then there's a whole bunch of teams. And I think this is partially because of the, the lottery flattening out a little bit. And we're, we're seeing teams um, jumping from like seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. I think the Lakers were 11th and jumped into the top four. So you have these teams protecting their picks for years. It used to sometimes you'd see protect picks be protected for three years, um, like lottery protected, top 10 protected. Three years was about the going rate. Occasionally you'd see a little longer, but very rarely would you see a pick protected for longer than three years. Because when your pick is protected and you don't know what year you give it, um, you don't, you really can't trade a pick in those years. And then you, and because of the step, you really can't even trade a pick the year after that. Well, over the last few years, some of these teams have put huge years of protections on their picks. So for example, just this last off season, the pick that Portland sent to Houston for Robert Covington, one of the picks had seven years of protection on it. One of the picks that Detroit traded seven years of protection on it, all different in the lottery. The pick that Washington traded to Houston for John Wall, six years of protection on it. That means that those teams can't trade a pick. It's not that they're out all the picks, but they can't trade it. If you have insomnia, just go through and start reading all the protections on the picks that are owed (laughs) to Houston now, and I'm telling you, you will not be able to make it through. Well, forget about that. You want to really – make your eyes go crossed you should look at what what oklahoma city's got going for yeah yeah so, right so there are seven teams right now that cannot trade their pick for anything um and uh that includes like the miami heat because the miami heat have a couple of picks owed and their protections they can't trade a pick for anything if the if the um dallas mavericks called up and said to the heat hey you want luka Doncic for a first round pick they couldn't do it uh, now, there's ways that you can take the protections off of the pick um, to remove the protection, but that requires a separate transaction. So, um, but there's seven teams that can't trade any pick whatsoever, uh, and the Washington can only trade this year's pick. And if they trade it, it has to be unprotected. And considering the the quality of this draft, and considering um, <laughs> their state the right overall now, pick, yeah, uh, they can't they can't do that. So in my mind, there's eight teams that can't trade any pick at all. Then there's seven other teams that can't trade a pick for multiple years. Like Utah can't trade a pick till 2026. Denver, because of the Mike Conley uh, deal. Denver, I think, can trade this year's pick and then not another pick till 2027. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And of course, you know, a couple of teams have all the picks. Then you've got mm-hmm. New Orleans and, um, and OKC. Uh, OKC and, and now Houston's in And now mix. Houston have all these extra picks. So when you talk about Bradley Beal, if the Wizards get to the point where they say, boy, we really need to look at this, if they want to make a trade that is based in draft picks that's this season, they're going to have to slice off half the league. Yeah. Okay? Um, 
unless then, then you start getting into like, well, three-way trades and stuff like that. And the, and the exciting thing about this draft is, you know, there are people who want picks in this draft. Then you look at people who would actually be able to trade for Bradley Beal, contending teams. And most of the contending teams are out of the, the pick market. So like Dallas, they can't trade a pick till 2027. So like Dallas mm-hmm. is a team that, you know, I think really wants to get that, that big third piece. Like and, a team that would love Beal would be the Lakers. Lakers are not permitted to trade a pick. Right. They would have to get a third team or a multiple team right. deal. Well, a, a, a team Bradley that would Beal. love a team that would love Bradley Beal is any good team in the NBA. Let's yeah, be honest, right. because so, he's a guy who he he's he doesn't have to dominate the ball, and he's he can be an efficient thirty point per game scorer. By the way, and he's a good passer. And if he doesn't have to carry your entire offense, I'm not saying he's you know Tony Allen type of defender or anything, or I guess Lou Dortz these days. But he's not a he's not a terrible. By the way, Lou Dort shooting the hell out of the three. <laughs> Can I point Anyways. out that, that Lou Dort, the Thunder, they he he was a two way player all year last year, and then they had to sign him to a real contract coming in going into the bubble. And like he had played some, but he hadn't played yeah. a lot. No, he'd been starting. He'd been starting by right. this time. So they signed him to a contract. They signed him to a four year contract um, for like low money. And he is shooting 44% on threes. He's what would Lou Dort get as a free agent this oh all God. season? Oh, I mean, my well, God. I mean, Kennard, Lou Kennard got 64 or $65 million, you know. Yeah. Think about Lou what Dort shooting 44% from three and being, you know what? You know, a modern-day version of Tony Allen defensively. My God. You know what? You know what? He, remember that deal that, that uh, Tyler Johnson got? Yeah. Where, yeah, because because Dort would like let's say that Dort would have been restricted. He by the way, four years, five point three million total, Jeez. and the and the last total. two seasons are partially guaranteed. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm prepared to guarantee them. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I think I can do that. And like by the way, like like you know, in retrospect, maybe he shouldn't have given him four years, but he was he was barely hanging on to the NBA. He was a two way guy. Um, but the Thunder gave him a four year deal. I you remember that Tyler Johnson? Tyler Johnson was a guy who has a, was on a two year contract with it with the yeah, and that the Nets made him an offer and the Nets right? offered him four years and eighty million. I think it was eighty million, yeah. right? Yeah, that I was, remember. I think that the Nets made him an offer and they made the uh, what's his name the other guard the the forward combo guard from Portland. That was the year they just took a risk and they decided to try and yeah, go Alan after Crabb. Restric- Alan yeah Crabb. they tried to go after restricted free agents because that was the only way they could build. So uh, <laughs> the, the amazing story about Tyler Johnson and, and get your money, sir. I mean, uh, no, no disrespect. When he got the contract, he told this story. I think it was in ESPN, the magazine, but I can't remember who was the writer. Maybe it was Pablo Torre. Um, I hope to I hope I'm not giving the wrong credit. When he got the contract, he went into the bathroom and vomited <laughs> because he couldn't believe he was getting so much money. Probably not a good sign. And it wasn't a good sign. He ended up getting <laughs> traded a couple times and bought out. Yeah, then the heat ended up vomiting after a couple, you know, couple right. months. Maybe the maybe the Wizards should call should call the the Thunder and try to get some of those draft picks and Lou Dort. <laughs> um, yeah. for, by for the way, Lou Dort business. had started for six weeks before the before the pandemic hit, before the hiatus hit. It's not like they hadn't, you know, this is just a wild shot in the dark. Right, but uh, he signs a he four year five shoot then, but he signs still a four he, year five million dollar contract. 
I'm telling you, yeah. if he if he had just signed like a stand, like if the Thunder were able to do that because they had mid level exception space left, if you if they didn't have any mid level exception space, they would have just I think had to sign him to a standard two year minimum contract. The longest you can give a player on a minimum is two years, and um, uh, that's what happened with the Heat when the Heat. When Tyler Johnson like showed up and was like, pretty good uh, out of their out of their G League team, they're like, okay, we're going to sign him as long as we can. It happened to be two years, so he was only under contract for two years and he was restri- restricted. the The Thunder had space in their mid level exception, so they were able to use that you know give him a four year contract, and it was just smart to get him to do four years. I mean, yeah, he could have done three, but I mean th- that is an absolutely incredible contract. You could argue that that is already looking like one of the greatest contracts in the league. For sure. Because the, what this guy means as a defender and the fact that he's going to be, I mean, like he's not going to be a cornerstone piece to a championship. Uh, I don't think, I don't know. I mean, do, but, uh, but, could, but the value of a know, three cornerstone and, foundation piece, like we like can the value talk, of a like, three and D player. Yeah. He can absolutely be a, he can absolutely be a core player on a really good team. Now <laughs> they need some stars and we'll see if Gilgis Alexander can, can develop into a star or if they can get one with all those picks that they have. Sorry about that off ramp. <laughs> um, and a, a fascinating team to me on Bradley Beal would be the Warriors. They have their pick this year, which mm-hmm. they're a borderline playoff team. We'll see what happens. Um, and they don't think so. They probably think they'll make the playoffs. I think they're a borderline playoff team. Uh, they could offer their pick. They are able to trade this year's pick. I would ask for it unprotected. And they have the Minnesota Timberwolves pick, top four, top three or four mm. protected. I can never remember what it's three or four. And they have a couple of contracts. You know, they have Andrew Wiggins. And if, if, the, if the Wizards don't want Andrew Wiggins, they could go with, with Oubre and combine him with another player. Um, go back to Kelly Oubre again? Yeah. Back in they D.C.? Could. They could. That could build that around that. Well, go back I mean, to an expiring contract again. Can you think about two lottery picks in this year's draft if the Warriors miss the playoffs? I mean, that's pretty compelling. Um, you know, Denver can trade their 2021 pick and 27. They can't trade anything between 22 and 26, but Denver could theoretically give two firsts. They have a and lot Michael of young Porter. talent. Michael Porter. Yeah, Michael um, Porter Jr., you make either Harris or Barton to, to make salary work. They've got some young first-round projects. There. Yeah, Bull Bull, RJ Hampton, yeah. Zeke double N. Yep. How do you pronounce um, that last name, Wendy? You're, you're my pronunciation guy. Well, I like some of their I like some of their other players too. Um uh, you know, I I like Monte Morris. Yeah. Um yeah. but he's just signed a contract extension, so I don't know how that that base your compensation poison pill stuff. I don't even know how that goes. But um I like Dozier, their young guard. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, they have the compliment that you could do it. Um, and uh, I'm just saying, Denver, you know, they've put this word out that Michael Porter Jr. is untouchable. I would be shopping the hell out of him if people are looking at Michael Porter Jr. as like a potential superstar and want to pay potential superstar price. I would, I would ship him out of Denver so fast. And How he's can slated, you trust he's that slated guy? to come back this week? Uh, yeah, he's um, off he's, the COVID he, protocol. He's probably he's Friday, had, at least as early as Friday. He's had COVID twice. Yeah, which is the worrisome situation, and, um, and, he, and he probably still doesn't think it, it exists. Probably still well, wants to say it's a hoax. He uh, has said some things. He said some things about. Theory. He said some things about vaccines as well. But now he's got antibodies. Now he's got a fresh set of antibodies. Um, he, he leads the league in antibodies. 
<laughs> the thing about Porter Jr. is, you know, you remember last year, this to me was like one of the biggest red flags about Michael Porter. You remember last year, they're in the middle of this series, still fighting for their lives, about to make this comeback. And after a loss, he comes into the press conference after like his, in his, in his, I know he wasn't technically a rookie, but he's essentially a rookie yeah, and complains about not getting the ball. Yeah. Yeah. He's on a team with two guys playing at, you know, freaking borderline MVP level. Right. Murray's and, and, Murray's putting up 50 per game. Right. Jokic is an all NBA first teamer. And that look, was when they were down three, one though. That was when they were down three, one. Even, I, even yeah. still, um, even I mean, still you know, down 3-1 in the playoffs. A, for a guy who is as talented as he is, he has had to have numerous discussions with Nuggets management. Went ranging from that day. I remember that they had to talk to him about that. They had to talk to him about the conspiracy theories that he mm-hmm. floated out there about coronavirus and population control or whatever had you that he dropped on his, uh, maybe it was his IG or it might've been something else. Um, so he, he, he's young. He's a young, he said he's never had a vaccination in his life. I, if I'm not, I'm not mistaken, I think yeah. he said that, but he, and, yeah, he also mentioned the population control conspiracy theory. I remember that. And just so, you know, he, he's, he's young and they had to here, talk here's the thing that. about Porter jr. I mean, just real talk here at the end of this season, he is extension eligible. He will, mm-hmm. I don't see any circumstance where he will not say, I want a maximum contract extension. Yeah. You are the Denver nuggets. Are you prepared to sign him to a max? You don't have to make the decision today, but that is, a, you know, considering that you've got all these other commitments financially, are you, do you believe enough in Michael? And by the way, the answer could be a bona fide absolutely because he's 6'10 and incredibly talented offensive player who's just scratching the surface of his abilities. Um, you know, he doesn't, Look, in, in he doesn't rebound and he size, doesn't play. He doesn't yeah, rebound, he doesn't play defense. Skill, though, but. I mean, he's, he's the only guy who's that size and that skilled and athletic that we've seen might be Durant. I mean, he's an unbelievable offensive talent, but he is a royal pain in the ass. Well, he has played four games this year, and he is averaging 20 points on 57% shooting. And look at his last game. His last game was like 30 and 10. Right. I mean, they've been begging him to defend and rebound. You know, the thing about the Nuggets is um, Nikola Jokic is having a career season. Um, he's amazing. Jamal Murray has been injured. Um, but, uh, you know, we know what he can do. They're 20, like they're 27th in defense and 4th in offense. They're the exact same team that they always have been, which is – on nights when they defend, they look like they can beat anybody. On nights when they don't defend, they can get beat by anybody. They are seven and seven. Um, you know, it's still too early to say anything. But my, but my thing on Porter, again, is knowing what the whole package is, knowing what his upside is, knowing what his downside is, are you prepared to sign him to a max contract? Because that's what it's going to take this offseason. And, and, if, and if the answer is absolutely, then, okay, he stays untouchable. If the answer is, I don't know about that, or there's even, any doubt. To me, to me, even if you are prepared, like – why would like if, if you can use Michael Porter and again, it would be Porter plus significant yeah. assets, but if you can use Porter to get a bona fide proven star in his prime who there's not a pain in the ass factor like Bradley Beal, why why would you hesitate on that? Well, I will say this if you trade for Bradley Beal, he has one year left on his contract, you are gonna want to do an extension. And it would be at the at the big max, the thirty. He would right. be eligible for the thirty five percent max. So you're looking at the two hundred million dollar max contract level. He's going to want it. Um, and uh, you know, you always have to. You know, you also have to be comfortable giving that to him. 
as well. So it's not just in a vacuum. And, you know, you're like, my having Michael Porter Jr. for the next five years will be a lot cheaper than having Bradley Beal. That's also a factor. I would argue this. Having Bradley Beal, you're going to make deeper playoff runs and you'll make up a lot of that money doing so. That's, I mean, yes. I mean, I think, again, you, you know, if you're Denver, you're saying we have Jamal Murray and, and, and Jokic in their, in their prime and we have Bradley Beal at the back of his prime. Back? And, he's 27. He's still got... Right, I mean, but you're, you're, you're right. You're right. I'm just saying you're going to be... I'm thinking about when you're paying him. You know, you and they be didn't make the about, Western Conference Finals with Michael right. Porter Jr. You got to be thinking about $50 million when he's 33. But you're right. In the short term, it's it's it's. Terrific. I mean, you look, you can still not be... You can still not think that Michael Porter Jr. is going to be your franchise player moving forward. You still give him the max and you can always think, I, well, listen, if it doesn't work out, we can still trade him. You know what I mean? We can still get something back for him. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com bike slash rentals. Terms apply. What about the other team I think is interesting I want to bring up is Philadelphia. So we know they were willing to put Ben Simmons in, in, in talks for, uh, for Harden. Would they be willing to put Ben Simmons in talks for Bradley Beal? Now, uh, the Rockets were interested in uh, first-round picks and uh, Ben Simmons and possibly even another young player. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sixers can trade uh, the 2021 pick, 2023 pick, and that's it. They can't trade picks from 24 through 27. By the way, as a caveat, you can only trade first round picks right now through 2027. Um, the Sixers do have some very intriguing young players, Tyrese Maxey, uh, Thibel, Shake Milton. I mean, they've got some good young talent on that roster. And you going to put Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook together? <laughs> I mean, the Westbrook trade is problematic. <laughs> yeah. front, I mean, he might just not be healthy. You know, yeah. it, may, it may just be a health thing, but well, and but the thing about it is, like, he has to have a wide open floor to thrive, and I don't know, it's it's tough. It's going to be tough. The other team that I would say would be a sleeper would be the Bulls. Hmm. Um, Zach Levine's value has never been higher. They have their full complement of picks to trade from. They have a couple other young pieces on their roster that maybe could interest people. And um, Arturis Kanishevis, their general manager, has 
really emphasized the importance to build a team around shooting. Bradley Beal is one of the best shooters in the league. And, you know, the Bulls have attempted to build through the draft and they just haven't been able to make contact on a star. Um, and so I think they are a sleeper team. I don't know if that package is enough right. for Washington. Like, you know, I don't know if Zach Levine. Markinen, Lori Markinen, and th- is it three first round picks? Is that the I, type of deal we're talking listen. about? I'm I'm saying Drew Holiday was three three first plus uh, two okay. pick swaps like this okay. guy's like is is know. is that is that a deal that Washington? I just like, think the Bulls could be a sleeper. Like if yeah. you're Washington, you want what Oklahoma City got back for Paul George. You you all, yeah, ideally. but that's yeah, ideally. But that's, you'd want those picks. You'd want you want <laughs> a star young guy like a Shea Gilgis Alexander. But, you know what I mean? Ideally, but yeah. here's yeah, but here's the problem. You're not you're not getting Bradley Beal with Kawhi Leonard, which right. is why the Clippers I think gave the, up that. I, I think the Harden trade is a closer thing to aspire to, although you'd yeah. like a better. You know, it depends on how, how Oladipo will go. What, what so. if what if you could? What if Denver and the Bulls and and Connellini's old friend Arturis got together and did a three way deal with the Wizards somehow? That would be mm. nice. Well, I'll say this: the Bulls giving up unprotected picks would be. <laughs> awfully risky i know i know i know i'm just saying like i think chicago is a you know okay maybe you maybe you bring patrick williams into the talks maybe i don't i don't i, I think i like that kid i, yeah. I the one I'm game i saying, saw him against the clippers yeah. and he played he played really well against Kawhi. Kawhi, he impressed Kawhi. uh that guy i don't think they would trade cool. him i think he's probably the most untouchable guy on their whole team i'm just but, if you're uh, gonna give up that kind of package of picks I mean, think about the teams that have given up that kind of package of picks. We're talking about Clippers, obviously, you know, immediate championship uh, aspirations, no matter what Paul George wanted to revise his history once they got booted from the bubble. Milwaukee, immediate championship aspirations. Brooklyn, immediate championship aspirations. Lakers, you know, obviously for AD, immediate championship. You're not giving up all those picks to say we can build around this guy because you need the picks to build around them, or at least you shouldn't. Right. Well, that's one of the things about the whole Harden thing. It was like, don't trade for Harden and, and, and give up all of that future unless you're a contender on the other end of it. Right. Um, he has to be the finishing piece, not the That would be like the, the Nuggets. Piece. Bradley Beal would exactly. be the finishing that's piece right. for the Nuggets. Which, which, yeah. would be, which would be the, the reason against the Bulls. You know, yeah. Why you would, why you and, but, you know, I think the Warriors fit in that. And, and if not Philly for fits, immediately. Philly. Dis- yeah, Philly would fit. Philly would fit. Yeah. And maybe that's a situation where, you know, Ben Simmons, maybe it is a third team. Well, I'm just saying if you're, if you're Tommy Shepard, who's the GM of the, uh, the, the wizards and you're, and you come to the conclusion, I think I'm going to have to trade Bradley Beal. And you're like, okay, well, I want a star player back to rebuild with. Who's the star player that might be available. You know, it's potentially Ben Simmons because he has been made available, but, um, you know, you know, I don't know who. Else. I mean, things are changing every day. Well, the the the, the Warriors could uh, could they interest you in a slightly used Andrew Wiggins? Well, the thing about Wiggins, <laughs> former number is one overall pick. There's so much money, three years and ninety million on that contract. That, in my view, if Wiggins is like, let's say, let's say the offer is those two picks. Um, by the way, uh, Golden State is restricted from trading uh, picks after this year as well, because. Um, 
they sent a pick for Ubre that's multi-year right. protected. So they can trade their their pick this year, and they can trade that Minnesota pick, but they, uh, I think they can't trade till twenty twenty four after that. Um, but anyway, if 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 the Warriors said okay, the offer is those two firsts plus Wiggins, I'd say okay, those two firsts are interesting for Bradley. Now you've got to. Uh, now you've got to incentivize me to taking on Wiggins. What so what else the, are you sending me to take on Wiggins? What about the Pelicans? I mean, if, Pelicans if, have the full allotment of the of Russell picks. saying they've got a ton of picks. Is there a way they could figure? You know, I I've not looked at the roster and trying to figure out. Exactly I mean, what it could that be. would be amazing. I mean, Bradley. If you're Beal talking about team. Beal Ingram Zion, that's a big three to be reckoned with for. A if Zion starts playing future. defense, Zion is. Zion is one of the most devastating interior scores I've ever seen in my life. And he does almost nothing else. Yeah. I did a piece on him that ran last week. Unfortunately for me, it ran the day of the, uh, of the Harden trade and it got totally washed under, but I spent a lot of time. <laughs> the, the hard circus keeps on burying your good stuff. <laughs> um, I spent a lot of time watching film and talking to scouts on him. He, he, he wants to be a, he wants to be a good player. He does. I, I, I mean, I, well, I, I take that back. He shows an interest in it, but he's physically not able to do it, number one, and because he's just too heavy. He, he can't move around the court and teams take advantage of him. And he has not developed his offensive game. He does not have to be a guy who shoots five threes a game, but he has taken like five shots outside the paint this season. He made four three-pointers in his first ever game. You remember that. He's made two three-pointers since. Okay. Wow. And and the scary and again I don't I not. And by the way, they, they don't as a team they don't make threes. That's a, another got problem. Basically, yeah. one guy who makes threes on that team. That's another problem. So, like you know, I don't know where his free throw shooting is, but his free throw shooting has is in the sixties. He's not showing development. And the thing that I found as I was doing it, I went back and watched some of his defensive highlights at Duke. Which I remembered, but yeah. he was a defensive playmaker. Well, there's there's the one where he came like flying out of nowhere and yeah. swatted a corner yes, three of in course, the you know 18th row. Of course, it's amazing. Were... Like we're talking about a guy who you're saying that he hasn't shown development. Like in his last six games, he's averaging like I think it's like I saw the stat like 27 points, 7.8 rebounds. I know, and they're losing like every single one of them. He he doesn't defensive rebound. Okay, offensive rebounding, he's a beast. He gets an offensive rebound. So you might as well give him two points because he goes right back up and you can't stop him. I'm telling you, even he gets his shot. He eats his shot more than anybody else in the league because he, as great of a jumper as he is. But also how much are they having him run out and having like Lonzo rebound so they can start a break? Run out. He's not running. What are you talking about? Yeah. He did. He did have, he did have one the other night. Uh, Steven Adams got a rebound and threw a full court pass to him and he, he did lead it. But I'm telling you go on YouTube and you can Google, um, uh, Zion William defensive highlights at Duke, and you will look at Zion now and say, "What happened to that guy?" Oh, look, he's, he's had some. He's had, he, guys. He averaged two blocks and two steals a game at Duke. Yeah, he's had he's had like ten blocks in his career, and in, in, you know, and I know it's only like thirty five games, but um, he had more. He basically had more games. He basically had more blocks in in two weeks at Duke than he's had in his whole NBA career. I hear and, all that. He's also averaging 23 points and shooting 59% from the floor. He might be getting 40% of his shots I blocked. And he's he making started, the rest of them. And he started the season kind of slow. I mean, he was averaging I, like under 20 points in like the first six I'm, games. I'm telling you, he is the one of the greatest interior scorers I've ever seen in my life. But because of his other detriments, he does not impact winning. And I'm not expecting a 20-year. Okay. 
fine. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not casting him in, in stone for the rest of his career. I'll tell you what, the guy who's 21 years old, who's playing in Memphis impacts winning. Oh yeah. Well, okay. and by the way, is already becoming one of the best closers in the league. Did you see the way he closed the game against the Suns, John Morant the other night? I mean, if I could buy stock in a team, I'd buy stock in the Grizzlies. Yeah. Uh, not for this season. JJ not for this season, but down the road. They are they are headed to a good place. I'm just saying, like, like I think Zion is he does some things that are uber elite, not just elite, uber elite. But he's got to get better in other facets of the game. But having said that, the Pelicans do have the ability to put together a killer package for somebody at some mm-hmm. point. They own the entire Lakers draft going forward, and I realize that the Lakers probably are not going to be drafting high, but it's still first round picks. They have the Bucks first round pick situation they have their first round picks and they have some players on their roster they have eric bledsoe they have jj reddick if you want veterans well when reddick's an expiring as well yeah well reddick is playing terribly i don't i don't I, reddick lost his starting job and i don't think he's thrilled with it but uh yeah, keep an eye on the pelicans uh for sure all right i mean let's just say the pelicans wanted to trade beal for or wanted to trade for beal bledsoe ball and a whole bundle of picks yeah, you could, give, you could Lakers give picks, four. You could Bucks give four picks. picks. Their own. You could give four picks, and you could even trade some of the swaps. You can trade the swaps. You can trade, you know. Well, they could give more than four because they've got other other teams' picks to play with. Right, um, and I, you know, unfortunately, those other teams are really good for the short term. So you'd have to like, you know, you wouldn't necessarily want the 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 Bucks and Lakers twenty twenty two twenty twenty three type picks. You'd want like Lakers twenty twenty five pick because I think the. Uh, the Pelicans can choose between 2024 and 2025. They can pick and choose which one. You know, that's the one you'd want. The other thing I think you could probably do is you could say, all right, we want either the we want we want to have the option of either swapping with the Bucks or swapping with the Lakers in some of those years. I don't know if the swaps line up, but if they did, right. you could say, we'll just see where the whole draft turns out because maybe in this year the bucks are unexpectedly bad or the lakers are unexpectedly bad we'll decide that year which swap we want you know you could assemble that type of trade but you could you you could do that and i will say this if they got bradley beal if they had beal ingram and zion with stephen adams and they were able to get zion to box out on defense because this is one of the things the the other look guys the other night there was a game in la it was a blowout lebron was was on the bench with his shoes off and stan van gundy called two timeouts in one minute of game time in a 20-point game and he called the two timeouts because it drove him crazy that, that zion was was caught standing with his feet in cement in the lane the first time he didn't rotate and it led to a dunk for montrez harrell he called a timeout they had a the 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 pelicans had a possession then here comes the lakers coming back they play good defense and force a, a tough contested three-pointer. The ball bounces off. Zion is standing in cement, and the ball bounces to Montrez Harrell, and he throws out to LeBron. Now LeBron's open. He hits the three. Timeout. Two timeouts in a row because he's angry because Zion's not doing anything on defense. And so well, I can sit here and say that the, the dude goes 13 of 15 from the field, which he did like a night later in Sacramento, that that is awesome. And I'm not expecting a 20-year-old to be perfect, but he can't close out to the 
to the perimeter. And because Steven Adams is playing, he's playing power forward. And so he's playing against stretch players and he's, he can't get out to the perimeter. He he's trying to play good defense. He's trying to help. He goes into the lane to play help defense sometimes, but then the ball comes out and he can't get out to it because he just doesn't move fast enough and he doesn't move on defense and he doesn't know positioning and stuff like that. So I am not saying Zion Williamson is not awesome because I do think he's awesome, but he is hurting them in other ways. That's all. Well, I'm going to say one thing as the uh, born and bred DC guy here in this this uh, pod. If I'm the Wizards, I'm not trading Bradley Beal. I'm just going to consider the season a wash. We, they lost Thomas Bryant. Uh, we haven't gotten to see what it's going to look like with Russell Westbrook, uh, COVID, everything else. This guy wants to remain here. He's our franchise. It's hard for a team like the Wizards. He does to want to remain start. there. I agree. He doesn't I mean, want to leave. Right. Yeah. So I would stay with it and see next season. Let's just start over again next season. And I know they keep saying that every year, and you hate to hear it. But, but... starting over next season means he's in his walk year. Just Let's so you see. know. Yeah, but I, I would at least if you're gonna if you made this trade for Russell Westbrook, you want to see it more than uh you know freaking 20, 25 games or thirty games. You know who knows how many games they're gonna have together. Well, this that's true. Well, we're not thinking that, that this is gonna happen now. We're thinking it might happen in March. If yeah. they're still in twelfth or thirteenth place in March, this is a different conversation. I mean, I, I can understand though the 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 thought process of if Beal's not putting pressure to be moved, don't move him. The other yeah, thing you wonder is if at some place. point does he at, at least quietly behind the scenes kind of say, "Eh, fellas, I really gave it a shot." But uh, you know, what the I mean, thing we, is, you, know you guys, see his frustration every night. You definitely see it on the court. You can see it in his face. He wants to win, yeah. but at the same time, the guy wants to remain in DC. He likes being the guy there. And this, that's, that, that's and, valuable. You know what, Ohm? That's, that's a good point, and I'm glad you said it. Um, but these types of conversations that we just had <laughs> are the conversations that teams are having to prepare yeah. for. Because that's I, I, just, I guess I feel like looking at it from the Wizards' spec, the perspective, none of the trades we've talked about blew, blew my socks off. Fair point. Uh, all right. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you to Ohm. Thank you to McMahon. Thank you to Troy, who's running the show. We will talk to you um, early next week. Take care. Adios, amigos.